We started a series last week on becoming like Jesus, the full stature, two parts, relationship with God and character, us personally, but it's also ministry and our impact with others. Jesus did both, and so becoming the full stature of like Christ is not just us personally, but it's also how we interact and us in ministry. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I want to talk this morning about uh, the heart attitude that Jesus had. That's to be our heart attitude. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we're so grateful that you're the one who leads us in truth. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing. We just stand uh, absolutely amazed that we get to be a part of what you're doing in this day and age. Lord, we've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. But Lord, there's something in our hearts of recognizing that we want to represent the king in reality. There's been so many people who have hurt by people who, maybe their heart was good, but they sure weren't representing Jesus. We want to represent Jesus. We want to be like you, Jesus. And we say, Holy Spirit, transform us to become like Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For years I struggled with that. He was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Jesus didn't get lost and end up in the wilderness somewhere. He didn't take a wrong turn and end up in the, the wrong side of town. He wasn't led astray by bad friends. The Holy Spirit, who is God, led him into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by the devil. I don't know about you, but when I read that for years, I kind of went, I don't get this. What about Matthew 6.13, where Jesus prays, lead us not into temptation? Maybe that's a response to actually having been led into temptation. He's saying, that's not good, let's, let's pray differently. Or what about James 1.13, where it says, God tempts no man. Well, obviously God didn't tempt him, but he led him into the place to be tempted but Hebrews 4.15 says he was tempted in every way as we are. So what we need to realize is that this tempting or testing of Jesus was actually for us. It wasn't just for him, it was for us. And I think it was to show us necessary heart attitudes for kingdom ministry. This was before he began his ministry. And if you read into the rest of the chapter... He began to preach. The first thing he preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he healed the sick and did all kinds of kingdom stuff. But there's a hard attitude that's necessary. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning. Three temptations, three hard attitudes. Okay? Can we do that? Yeah. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Duh. 
And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you're the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now that word if doesn't express a doubt. In the Greek, it's actually expressed as an assumed fact. It could be translated, since you're the son of God, make these stones bread. So the, uh, the reasoning of the devil was good. He basically said, you're hungry, you're God, make bread. That makes sense, right? Jesus responded differently. But I want you to understand, it's like us saying, you've been trained, you know what to do, just do it. You ever thought that way? I know what to do in this position. Just do it. Years ago, I was asked to pray for a guy who had arthritis. I think I've told you this before. And I went to the hospital, and he was in such a bad shape, he couldn't literally uh, hardly move. And his daughter had asked me to come pray for him. And, And as I went there, I was reminded of some things I'd been taught that sometimes arthritis is associated with bitterness or unforgiveness and knew this guy's history and he had been part of the leadership of a church and had been kicked out, falsely accused of, of inappropriate uh, dealing with money, only it wasn't him, it was one of the other leaders, but had been kicked out and hadn't been in church for 12 years, had been hurt. So I came with my understanding thinking, okay, I know what to do. And as I walked into the the room, the Holy Spirit stopped me and just said, this man's not bitter. And I went, oh, rats. (laughs) Not that I wanted him to be bitter, but all of a sudden now I had no idea what to do. And so as I began to pray, when I didn't know what to do, I began to pray in the Spirit for him. And praying in the Spirit and with the understanding, God gave me some understanding, I began to pray against curses spoken over him by other Christians. Wasn't my strategy? Wasn't my plan? He asked me afterwards, why did you pray that? And I told him. I came here with this idea, with this, I was just transparent. Thought I had an idea of what was gonna happen. And God, Holy Spirit said this, I didn't know what to do, so I just prayed to the Spirit. Next morning, he was healed. See, sometimes we think it's our training that prepares us. And the temptation that Jesus was facing was actually one of self-reliance. See, because Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8. Turn with me there, if you will. From verse 1, it says, Every command which I command you today, you must be careful to observe, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Just an aside, I'd not preach on this, but just an aside, the commandments that God gave weren't in, to be obeyed in order to gain his approval and access to his presence. They were to be obeyed in order to effectively take the land that he was giving to them. Coordinates with ministry. We don't have to obey everything God says in order to be approved by him. We already have that in Jesus. But our obedience leads us into effective ministry. There's a big difference. That's an aside. We'll get to that some other day. 
And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you. See a connection here? Jesus being led in the wilderness to be tested. Quotes this, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. That's what happens if you pass 40 days. You get hungry. And fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know. Only place I found, I'm not saying it's the only place in the Bible, the only place I found where God took 40 years to make them learn one thing. You think maybe it's important. To make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Man lives by hearing God's voice. Jesus was saying, it's not what I decide, it's what God decides. You're hungry, your God make bread? He could have, but the issue was, not what I think is good, what is God saying? Jesus was declaring his absolute dependence on God. The context of that in, in Deuteronomy 8 goes on, and it talks about just this very thing. Verse 14, when your heart is lifted up, you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Verse 17, and you say in your heart, my power and my might, and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. In essence, we, we end up saying, I know what to do. Jesus was declaring his dependence on God. Heart attitude. If anyone could have been self-reliant, it was Jesus. But he chose not to. John 5, 19, I do nothing of myself. RSV says, I do nothing of my own initiative, my own authority, but only as I hear the Father. Verse 30 says the same thing, did nothing of myself. And it says five times, uh, 8.28, I don't do it of myself. Do nothing of myself, but as the Father taught me, I speak these things. Uh, 12, what's the next one? Thank you, you got this. The Pharisees therefore said, you see that you're accomplishing nothing. Look, the world, no, not 12, 19. It's, uh, I have it here. I know it is. It, I did say 12, 19, but it's not. She wasn't wrong, I was. Hang on. It's in my Bible. <laughs> it's always good to have a Bible sometime. It's actually 12, 49. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And then 14.10. I do not, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak, I do not speak on my own authority or on my own initiative. Jesus said, this is how I function. If anyone could have functioned on their own ability, it was him. But he set an example for us. I believe that God never intended us to do kingdom ministry for him, but to do it with him. There's relationship involved. There's hearing his voice. Now I'm going to shock some of you. I believe he never intended us to know enough to do it on our own without him. Yet somehow we've approached 
training for ministry that if you gain enough education, if you gain enough knowledge, you're able to do this. You're able to know what to do and you can do this kingdom ministry and you actually don't even need the Holy Spirit. One of the dangers of people who've been in ministry for a long time is when you start, you don't know what to do. And so you pray. You walk into the hospital room and the Holy Spirit says, your plan isn't there and so you don't know what to do, so you pray. But given a number of years, you face the same situation over and over again, and pretty soon you think, I have an idea. And now you're trusting in your own wisdom and experience rather than in the Holy Spirit. And then we wonder how we get off base. Let me say this. I believe a hard attitude of dependence on God is tied into prayer. Jesus spent time in prayer, sometime whole nights. Why? Because prayer is not just telling God what we need. It's actually communing. It's hearing his voice. It's keeping our spirit in tune with him. I read a book that uh, Rob Vanderbilt had given me by Don Barnes. And in one of it, his one part, he says, the less we pray... The less dependent on God we are, and the more dependent on our own wisdom and experience. Let me ask you are you a prayer? Not a prayer, a prayer. Because if you're not, then what you're actually doing is trusting in your own wisdom and experience. I know how to do this, I can work my way out of this. Years ago, as a young pastor, I put a note on the bulletin board right in front of my desk, and it said, pray first. What I found is my approach was very administrative. When there was a problem, I would try and organize it or administrate it or plan a strategy to fix it, and when nothing else worked, I would pray. Can you imagine over a while, nothing worked, and God was saying, okay, it's not you, it's me. Are you a prayer? You know, when you write that down, it's the same as are you a prayer? <laughs> it's not the same thing. So Jesus' hard attitude was dependence on God, which really is humility. Right? I can't do it, I need help. The Bible says that God's opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility unlocks grace. That's the key Jesus is teaching us. When we are dependent on God, his grace is released. If you don't believe that Jesus is alive or that God is real or that God intervenes, then you're limited to what you can do. But when you actually come to a place of humility and throw yourself on him, he can break in and do what only he can do, which is supernatural. Okay, I keep looking at my Bible, but it's not in the right place. So rather than self-reliance, there's dependence. Verse 5. And the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, again, if you're the Son of God, since you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. 
For it is written, he will give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, interesting enough, the devil didn't misquote the Bible. That's exactly what it says. But the issue wasn't that he quoted it wrong. The issue was that he took it out of context. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Basically, the devil's saying, jump, God will step in. You ever heard that kind of reasoning before? See, the temptation is one of self-initiation rather than obedience. Why is that wrong? Because when we initiate, we make God our assistant rather than the king of the universe. He's going to get behind me. I'm going to do something. Now, none of us ever have done that, have we? You ever heard step out in faith? Faith, uh, flex your faith muscles. In essence, you step and then God's going to get behind you. And the whole heart attitude is that if I initiate, God's going to then back me up. And what Jesus is saying is that we don't initiate, God does. We get in step with him, he doesn't get in step with us. We follow what he's saying and doing. Every step of faith must be a step of obedience. Again, Jesus did nothing of his own initiative. That's what Matthew 5.19 and I'm John 5.19 and 30 and all those scriptures, if, if you look in the NIV, uh, sorry, the RSV, it's translated, he did nothing of his own initiative where New King James says nothing of his own authority. He didn't initiate. He was obedient to what God was saying. So the opposite of self-initiation is obedience. So we have a hard attitude of dependence on God, humility, and then a hard attitude to obey what he says. These are relational things. You have to understand. We're talking about a relational approach to the kingdom rather than an ac academic intellectual approach. It's I'm dependent on God, and then I hear what he says, as Jesus did, and I, and I obey him. Let me say this, there's obedience to what God has said, which is his, his word, and what God is saying, which is his spirit. Let me tell you, you don't ever need to pray for God to speak to you something different than what the Bible has already said. A number of years ago, I was counseling with a young couple who had been dating, they came to me and they were having problems, and I asked them, have you been sleeping together? I said, yeah. I said, you realize that that's not God's pattern? Oh, yeah, but we prayed, and the Holy Spirit said it was okay. <laughs> I said, seriously? Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will never say something that is contrary to what he's already said, which is the Word of God. And so what happens when you hear the Holy Spirit? You're just actually, it's your own heart desire. I'm just putting my desires into God's mouth and he's going to say what I want him to say. Yeah, of course he's going to make me a multimillionaire because that's my desire. 
Now, just as an aside, we're going to get to this a few weeks down the road, but just as an aside, there is this thing sometimes where if we're not careful, we can pick up people's heart's desire and we can begin to speak prophetic quote-unquote things that are actually not the Spirit of God, but they're speaking into people's heart's desire. And you need to be very careful, one, if someone speaks that kind of stuff to you, or two, if you feel like God's given you a word that you know the person's desire. I know this person's desire is this, and so I'm going to speak as if God's saying, this is what he's going to do. That's on the side. We're going to get to that later on. Dependence and obedience, hard attitude, as opposed to self-reliance and self-initiation. I will get finished this morning. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him up into an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. This really is a question or a temptation of who are we serving? God or ourselves? Because the temptation was, I'll get you to the end you want. We're just going to take a shortcut to get there. Let me tell you this. If you're serving yourself, then the temptation is that you'll become pragmatic and go with whatever works. No. We, We would never do that. If it's only about the perceived results, the number of people, the recognition, the financial security, we'll do whatever works. What will get people, if I'm a pastor and my goal is people in my church, what will get people? I'm going to find what works. Problem is, if we're willing to take the shortcuts and do whatever works, we're not actually worshiping, serving God, but ourselves. I want a certain result and I'll do whatever it takes to get that. Now again, it doesn't take rocket science to understand that what we're talking about here is in direct opposition to everything of the world. Satan's a god of this world, so the values of the world are not the values of the kingdom. They're direct opposition. Values of the the world are, you've got to trust yourself. You're number one. You've got to learn, and you've got to make your way, and and you've got got to make sure people recognize you. And get out there and do it. Just do it. I get a... uh, Royalty from Nike every time I say that. (laughs) But the pressure then is whatever works. If you have to lie or cheat or steal or misrepresent, whatever it takes. Verse 9. 
I want you to be aware that there is a mixture sometimes in the kingdom where we have some of kingdom and some of the world and we have people who, whatever it works. We had a guy come to a church I was part of a number of years ago. I wasn't the leader. I was just part of the staff and we had invited this guy who came who was supposedly having some great move of God with young people and so he came to our youth and at that point we probably had 250 in the the youth and this guy ministered and he called people up front and then he proceeded to push them over come here johan i i i just just want to illustrate no no so so people are standing here and you know it's very easy you put your hand on their head and you put your hand on the back and you pull and you push till they get to the point where they have to fall over and this guy actually said, if the Spirit of God isn't moving, I will move the Spirit of God. Now, what is he saying? He's actually got a little bit of a mixture. There's something of the Spirit moving, but there's also something of, I'm going to initiate. God's going to get behind me. So what does that mean for us? Three heart values. Dependence on God. Or humility. Obedience. And worshiping and serving God. Are the foundations or the prerequisite for kingdom ministry. Especially ministry that will continue. But they're also key for us to become like Jesus. Jesus declared he was dependent on God. He did nothing of his own initiative, only what he heard the Father saying. And he did it to serve and to worship the King. Let me ask, let me tell you this. People have this hard attitude are the ones who can be part of team and appreciate the diversity that God's created in gifting and people. These are the ones who can see thousands come to Jesus and never build them to themselves. These are the ones who can lead hurting people into freedom in Christ, not into their ministry. These are the ones who God can use to heal the sick and do wonders and they'll never take the glory to themselves. These are the ones who can lead Jesus' church and continually point people to the king. Is that your heart attitude? Or is your heart attitude something in there of recognition? I want God to do something amazing, but I want him to do it through me. Or were you happy if God did it through someone else? See, sometimes there are subtle, like I said, mixture of how we do things. I have a friend who, when you listen to him, God's doing amazing things, but there's always this subtle, when he prays, God does heals people. 
that was a young child in uh, Thailand, and the the child actually was in a swimming pool and died, and the dad just sent a text to literally thousands of people he had contact with around the world, and all of a sudden people began praying, and about 30 minutes later, the kid came back to life completely. Yet when you talk to my friend in Colorado, it was at the time when he prayed. Even though there's thousands of people. Let me tell you, your prayers don't heal people. Jesus heals people. Your intensity, the volume of how you pray. In the name of Jesus! I had a friend who uh, was an evangelist, and they did this outreach thing in Southern California. And God had told them that if you do this in this stadium, I will heal people, and there'll be people who get get uh, healed and saved. And there was—I think I've told you this—but if just bear with me, you haven't all heard it. But this really tough gang guy pushes this wheelchair down. And it's this old lady in the wheelchair who's blind. And my friend goes over and, in the name of Jesus! How he's yelling and screaming and nothing's happening. And he, eventually he goes over to the back of the stage that they have in the corner and he says, God, what are you doing? You said you're going to heal. And God spoke to him and said, yeah, I said I was going to heal, but what are you doing? See, he used a public place to deal with his hard attitude that it's a, a whole lot of God but a little bit of me. And while he's over there weeping and repenting, he hears this commotion and he turns around. And this lady is standing up. God's healed as she can see. And her grandson, who was the gang guy, is on his knees weeping, getting saved. But see, this guy, there was something in his heart of it's about me and my ministry rather than it's about Jesus. And had God touched that woman, there would have been something of him getting some of the glory. Would you bow your head? Big context of us being a kingdom of priests. Big context of God wanting to transform every single one of us to be like Jesus in relationship with God and in ministry. And us having his heart attitude is a big part of it. You don't get transformed just because you come to church. You get transformed because you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and then you respond. The Bible talks about being doers of the word and not hearers only. We have this thing in our culture that if I hear enough, and so people listen to sermons and then they listen to stuff online and they listen to 10 or 12 or 15 sermons a week, And five years later, they're no different. They have more knowledge. 
but they're no different. So if the Holy Spirit's making some adjustments, will you just respond to them? And while you're doing that, we're going to go a little bit different direction just before we finish. Is there anyone here this morning that you have a heart valve issue? Would you just stand? If you can. Just hang on there. Anyone also with a left ear problem? If you'd stand. Anyone with a stomach something? I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if it's it's digestive problem, but it's something in your stomach. In the middle of the night, I just felt God say he wanted to touch some people. Now, in a moment, I'm going to ask those of you who are around these guys who are standing, if you would stand and pray with them. But I want to encourage you how to pray. See, praying for people is simply connecting them with Jesus. Coming boldly to his throne room of grace. It's not our prayers. It's not our faith. It's Jesus who does the healing. So we're going to pray for these guys in just a moment. You guys who are standing, if you just be patient with me. A number of years, a couple years ago in Denver. Again, I think I've told most of you this, but we had a couple come to the church. And they came on a Sunday morning. And that evening we had a extended worship time. We did it every once in a while. And in the midst of that, they came on Sunday morning, first time they'd ever been there, and they decided, ah, they heard about this, they'd come Sunday evening, and they came, and we had this worship time, and it was just coming into the presence of Jesus, and somebody felt, and shared a word of knowledge, that God wanted to bring healing. So he just said, anyone who needs a touch from God and healing, will you just stand? And this lady stood. Nobody knew what the story was. She didn't share. We had people pray for her. Situation was that she, her heart only, part of it worked. Uh, half of her heart didn't work. She had a pacemaker that gave a electrical stimulus to part of her heart to make it beat. Otherwise, her heart wouldn't beat. Uh, she'd had 30 heart procedures and operations. She was on the transplant list. She's 47. Her mother died at 48 from the same disease. Her sister died at 48 from the same disease. And the doctor told her, if you don't get a new heart, you'll be dead by the time you're 48. And she came. Nobody knew except Jesus. With the uh, pacemaker, her heart beat at 60 beats a minute. And that's all it did. It, it, no matter what she did, it didn't change because it was electrically stimulated. So she had no energy, couldn't do anything. Uh, and the digital pacemaker kept an actual record of her heartbeats. She went home that night, and she got up in the morning, and she felt great. She told her kids, I want to go for a walk. And so her kids decided they better go with her because about halfway down the block, she's going to collapse, and we'll have to carry her home. She walked three kilometers, and her heart rate was over 80. She went back to the doctor, and the doctor was shocked and said, no. She said, I, I probably need to be taken off the transplant list. And the doctor said, no, because what you have never gets better. 
it only gets worse. Waited a whole year. In that year, totally normal. She goes to the gym, she runs, stuff she's never been able to do. God just touched her. We didn't even know what we were praying. But Jesus did. So, would you just, some of you, let's all stand. Gather around these guys who are standing. If you haven't figured out who they are, then it's too late for you. (laughs) They've been standing for three minutes already. And let's just pray. Jesus, we just humbly come to your throne of grace. We recognize that you're still the healer. Lord, we don't want to touch your glory, but we want you to receive glory. We want you to show yourself great. And we simply ask, will you touch these now and bring healing? In Jesus' name. In this heart valve situation, Lord, I don't know what it is, but you can change it in an instant, as you did for Lori Lehman. For stomach situations, you can turn that around right now. For these ear situations, Lord, I don't know if it's deafness or if it's infection or whatever, but you do. So, Lord, would you just bring healing right now? Just begin to pray in the Spirit, if you would, around them. Pray out loud. Just pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, come. 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 If you have a, if you're part of the ear situation, would you just put your hand on your ear? In Jesus' name. Be healed. In Jesus' name, be open. In Jesus' name, restoration. Lord, will you just now pour out your love upon every single one. Pour out your love. We want to give testimony to your greatness, to your goodness, to how awesome you are. And Lord, we just stand amazed that you love us. We come running back to you. Lord, when we've got our eyes on the wrong things, we come back to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.